And thank you all for being with us uh, today. Uh, as a church, all throughout this school year, we are doing this Jesus series. We're looking at the life of Jesus in a mostly chronological order. We're doing readings from the Gospels, and we're doing all of this in order to get to know Jesus better so that we can know him better and build that relationship with him and share that relationships with other people in our lives. That's what we're doing as a church, and so we're going to continue with that in the message this morning, looking at the life of Jesus, looking at this one specific encounter, this one specific occasion, and seeing what we can learn about the nature of Jesus and the life that he has called us to. I want to uh, once again thank you for when you go to serve somebody else or bless someone, you end up receiving something yourself, a blessing yourself, and that seems to be how, how God functions in our lives, that when we give, we end up receiving. Have you noticed that? When you give, you end up being the ones that receive. Uh, our family, we did a few little things on Be the Church Sunday, but the one thing that I did on Be the Church Sunday is something that I have been putting off for months. In fact, it was back before Easter. I Yeah, Easter, that long ago. I felt like God had laid something on my heart, like he was telling me to go and bless a friend of mine, somebody that I know, in a very specific way. And so I felt this stirring before Easter, and I thought, you know what, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to reach out to this friend, and I'm going to do this thing. And then Easter came, and I was just, you know, it's busy, and I'm a pastor, and you got to do like, you got to do stuff on Easter. And so Easter came and went, I thought, that's all right, I'll do it the next week, and I didn't do it the next week. And I just kept putting it off. And the reason that I kept putting it off is because this thing I felt compelled to do was a, uh, an awkward, kind of uncomfortable thing. And I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid. If I reach out to this friend and if we have this conversation and if I offer this act of kindness, how will it be received? The whole experience just felt very uncomfortable and awkward to me. Now... My friends, many of you know this about me, I am what they call an introvert, yes? And I'm not the only introvert in this space. And we introverts, we have a, a comfort zone, yes? And we don't like passing out of that comfort zone. But guess what I've learned about extroverts? You guys also have a comfort zone. And there's a line. It's like, yes, I'll go this far and I'll do this, but it's just like there are certain things I'm still uncomfortable putting myself out there in certain ways. And so for months... You hear me? Months I put off doing this thing that I felt like God was telling me to do because it just was making me uncomfortable. And there's that fear of how will this be received and this fear of, of rejection, this fear of looking foolish. Am I the only one who experiences that? This fear of looking foolish and being rejected. And so I kept putting it off. And in the months between you know, just before Easter and actual Be the Church Sunday, I heard... Um, there's a preacher named Joe Foch, and I listen to his messages online a lot. And on two separate occasions, I heard him speak about listening to the voice of God in your own life. And what he had to say about that is, if you feel compelled to do something good for somebody else, that's probably coming from God. If you're feeling compelled to do something that you normally would shy away from doing, that's probably God's voice in your spirit speaking to you, urging you, the Holy Spirit nudging you to go do this thing. I mean, it's not coming from Satan, right? 
The devil's not encouraging you to go out and take care of people and bless people. And it's not coming from yourself if you think it's something that you need to do that was going to make you uncomfortable. No, that's probably God speaking in your life. And yet what I've experienced, and I think I'm not the only one. In fact, I know I'm not the only one is that we can feel compelled by the Holy Spirit in the moment to do something. And then we, we kind of turn down the volume on the voice of God, and we make excuses as to why we don't take that step forward in obedience. I'm not the only one, right? You feel compelled, and maybe it's, maybe it's occasions like this when you're sitting in a, a worship service, and there's something that in the music that triggers something in your spirit. You hear the scripture read, and you're reminded, yeah, I got to do that thing. I got to reach out to that person. You know, I was supposed to invite this person to church, and I've been putting it off for months. I was supposed to reach out to this person because I know they're struggling. I haven't done it. And you feel convicted. That's the word, right? Convicted by the Holy Spirit. I should do this thing. But then, but then we make excuses. Uh, you know, I was just caught up in the emotion of the moment, and, you know, I'm busy, and you know, that person probably doesn't need my help or support right now anyway, right? Obedience to that, to that voice of God in our lives becomes tricky. We can turn down the volume on God's voice. We can put it off. We can make excuses as to why we don't simply obey. What we're going to look at here in the Scripture passages from Matthew <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, if you want to open up your, your Bibles or your Bible app, that's where we're going to be. And on this occasion, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples into the world to do some specific work on his behalf. Now, the disciples, the original 12, they had an advantage that we don't have, but let's also make sure to note that they carried a burden that none of us know about, okay? But they had the advantage, they didn't question whether or not they were hearing from Jesus. <laughs> I mean, they saw Jesus face to face. They watched his lips move. They heard the words come out of his mouth. So they knew what Jesus was commanding them to do. It's not like us. We're like, oh, was that from God? Was that not from God? No, they knew what Jesus was commanding them to do. All they had left to do was, was obey. And that was their choice. Well, we see Jesus speaking. We hear his words. But will we actually obey? And so in this passage, Jesus is sending out his disciples. Let's start with, uh, we're in chapter 10 of Matthew. Let's start with verse 16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And he knew he was sending his disciples out into a world where they were, would encounter enemies. You know, by this point in time, the disciples had seen Jesus accrue enemies, people that were against him, people that wanted to tear him apart like a wolf. He said, you guys are going to experience the same thing. I'm sending you out. You're as innocent as sheep. You're like sheep amongst wolves. So what you need to do is you need to be careful. Be as shrewd or as wise as a serpent, but innocent as doves. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, be smart about this. Don't be naive. Be wise. You will encounter rejection and opposition. Beware of men. Verse 17, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in the synagogues. Again, something you and I know nothing about. Maybe we've received some persecution because of our faith, but we don't know what it's like to be scourged in a synagogue. Unless I'm wrong. Anybody? Raise a show of hands. Scourge in a synagogue? No? Okay, I didn't think so. We don't know what that's like. We might know persecution, but we don't know this level. It says, and you will evil, verse 18, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. This is exactly what happens to Jesus. He's persecuted by his own people, the Jews, the children of Israel, and then they take him to the Roman governor, to Pontius Pilate. 
He says, that's going to happen to you. The people are going to oppose you. They're going to hand you over to the local authorities. But guess what? It's all going to work out because when they hand you over to those Gentiles, you're going to have the opportunity to testify to them and tell them about the gospel. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. He says, don't worry about it. When you show up at those hearings, at those court meetings, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, and you will speak those words. Now, it's important to note here that these instructions that Jesus gives to his disciple, there was sort of a, a near uh, fulfillment of these instructions, a, a near obedience, and then a far obedience. So in this moment, Jesus sends them out, and they do what Jesus tells them to do. They have that obedience in that near future. But then, after the resurrection, there will be a further sending time where they experience more of this persecution. Does that make sense? And so they do this. They do have this time where they go out into the communities and tell people about the gospel, but then there's going to be a a greater time of doing that after the resurrection. Does that make sense? And so he's sending them out. says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Now, I've heard that some preachers use that as excuse not to prepare for a sermon. It's like, well, that's kind of crazy because that's not what Jesus is saying, right? You ought to prepare when you stand up and speak before people. At least that's what I've been told. And so don't, don't worry about what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words, and we see that. In fact, we see it in the book of Acts when Peter stands up and he speaks to the, the children of Israel, and he gives this amazing sermon, and the Holy Spirit's just flowing through this fisherman and speaking the words of God, and the people are pierced to their hearts, not because of Peter's sermon, but because they're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Excuse me? What's, what are we talking about here, Jesus? And you're instructing your disciples to go out, to spread the gospel, to tell people about God's love, to tell people about salvation in Jesus Christ, to heal them, to perform these miracles, to exercise demons. You're telling them, what, what's all this conflict that you're speaking about. What is the source of this conflict? You're going to send your disciples out into this world, and somehow by their being sent out and spreading the gospel, there's going to be this great conflict where a brother will kill his brother, and the children will rise up against their parents. What is the source of this conflict? Jesus is the source of this conflict. People divided over the gospel. That's the source of this conflict. People believing, people rejecting. And what we see in the life of Jesus is that when people reject the gospel, sometimes there's kind of a neutral rejection. Oh, I don't believe what you're saying. But other times, there is a fierce opposition, not just a neutral rejection of Jesus. Jesus, I've heard what you've had to say about you being the Son of God, and I don't believe it. No, 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 but an actual opposition. There is a conflict caused by Jesus over Jesus. Where do you stand with Jesus versus where do you stand with Jesus? A conflict that is caused, you will be hated. What? Verse 22, did you sign up for that when you became a follower of Jesus? You will be hated? I don't want to be hated. I want to be loved and respected and well-liked and for people to say good things about me. Yeah? Hated? Oh, man. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Jesus says, if, if they rejected me, guess what? 
You're not greater than me. <laughs> if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they say terrible things about me, <laughs> they're going to say terrible things about you. But endure, is what Jesus says. Endure that, that persecution. Endure it. And those who endure to the end will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, just flee to the next. Keep moving. For truly, I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And so now we're talking about more of a far future type of a prophecy, right? And those disciples, they did, in that time, after Jesus gave these instructions, they did travel from town to town. And then after the resurrection, they continued to travel from town to town to region to region. And then the next generation of disciples did the same thing, and so on, and so forth, onto this generation. Now it's our turn to spread the gospel. And the followers of Jesus will just keep spreading the gospel until the Son of Man, Jesus, returns. That's how this works. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, a slave, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple to become like his teacher and the slave to be like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they align the members of his household? Again, Jesus is saying, they're talking smack on me, they're going to talk smack on you. They're saying, I'm empowered by Satan, they're going to accuse you of the same type of things. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable. Rejection is unavoidable. Therefore, do not fear them. Don't be afraid of these guys who are going to persecute you and even physically hurt you and scourge you and have you executed. Don't be afraid of them. Do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Whatever it is, the motivation of their hearts, the reason behind their anger, the reason behind their opposition, the reason behind their you know, speaking ill of you, it will all be made known. It will all come out in the end. The reason behind why you're receiving that persecution, the wickedness of a man's heart, it will all be made known. In the end, what I tell you in the darkness, you know, when it's just us, huh, we're just gathered around and I'm teaching you, you go ahead and you speak in the light. What you hear whisper in your ear, and Jesus is saying, he's speaking about himself, what I whisper in your ear, what you hear the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear, you go and you proclaim on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body. Are you kidding me? This is not just some Bible story. This is real. He's like, hey guys, thanks for following me. People are going to kill you. Don't be afraid of them. Okay, Jesus, are you kidding me? Is that what you signed up for? Do you realize in this day and age, there are still pockets in this world where if you accept Jesus Christ as Savior and you go before and have a public baptism, you might be killed. Wow. So you're going to be killed, but do not fear those who will kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, there's people on this planet, and they have some power, and they can put you in prison, and those people can beat you, and those people can even kill your body, but they cannot destroy your soul, so don't fear them. They have no control over your eternal destination, so don't fear them. If you're going to fear anybody, Fear the one who has the authority to send you to damnation. Fear God, is what he says. 
Now, fearing God is a topic that deserves its own Sunday, and, we will, and we've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it in the future, but to have, to have reverence for God, sure, that's spelled into it, but to have respect for his power and his authority and what he is capable of. So don't fear your, your human enemies because their power is limited. No, if you're going to fear anybody, fear God. Now, fear is not a great motivator. Love's a better motivator, but fear and respect the fact that God can do what only God can do. And so Jesus moves from this very tough, almost harsh instructions and teachings, and then he says, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And so, yes, fear God, but this is the God who loves you. God is so involved in the minutia and these tiny details of his creation. He knows when a sparrow dies. He has, I mean, quite literally, he has the hairs on your head numbered. Did you realize that? For some of you, it's less than others, yes? But he has, that's the, de- that's the intimacy, how involved he is. He know, there's nothing you're going to experience that he doesn't know about. You don't know how many hairs are on your head. God knows you better than you know thyself. He knows, and he cares, and he's there. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Verse 32, therefore, and this is the happy verse, right? Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Your translation might say acknowledge. Whoever acknowledges me before other people, whoever is willing to tell other people about me, well, guess what? When you get to heaven and you stand before Father God or maybe grovel before Father God, when you're there, I'm going to say, Father, I know him. I'm going to confess that I know you. I'm going to acknowledge that I know you. Isn't that wonderful? So why don't we all close the Bible and go home after that verse, right? And that's a great thing. Yes, we're supposed to do this. And for Jesus, for his original audience here, that's what they were supposed to do. Go into the surrounding communities, tell people of the gospel, heal them, drive out demons, do all this, but you're not doing it in your own power. Confess it's all from Jesus. It's supposed to be about Jesus. But whoever, here we go, ready for this? Verse 33, but whoever denies me... Before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. There's something that all of us have in common right now. None of us want to be denied by Jesus. None of us. None of us. And so Jesus says, if you confess me, if you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. If you deny me, I will deny you. We better be sure that we're not denying Jesus in our lives. You know, in the weeks leading up to this sermon, I felt that, that, that fear of, oh my goodness, have I denied Jesus? Am I denying Jesus? And I know, again, we're not supposed to be driven by fear and love's a better motivator and all these things, but it's, it's worth our consideration to make sure that we are not denying Jesus. I want to take this opportunity right now, since I have a captive audience, to confess Jesus before you. I love Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. There's nothing I can do. I want to be at the church Sunday. There's nothing, no good deeds that I can do to earn salvation for myself. It's not about religiosity. It's not about showing up at a building. It's all about Jesus. I love Jesus. He is my Savior. All right? Am I alone in that? I love Jesus. 
He is my Savior, and He's your Savior. No, I apologize. I wasn't begging for applause there. I just want to make sure that I'm not alone in that. And this, my friends, is a safe space. This is, it's easy to stand up in a church for me to say, hey, I love Jesus. What are you going to go? Boo! Right? No! This is an easy place to confess my love and reliance and dependence on Jesus. But what about beyond these walls? That's where the real battle begins. And so to be able to talk to people about Jesus, to share the gospel, this is what the original disciples were called to do, and it's what we are called to do. Why don't we? Now, we do. We do sometimes. And some of us are better than others about telling people the gospel and sharing, you know, the love of Jesus and talking about God and, and his forgiveness. Some of us are better than others. Yes, sure. And we do it sometimes, but why don't we do it more often? Why aren't we confessing, acknowledging Jesus as our Savior? I think it's because we're afraid. Because what if we're rejected? Ooh. You guys remember Marty McFly? Anybody know that movie, Back to the Future? I just can't face the kind of rejection. Remember that? Like that kind of squirm. I don't want to be rejected. Yeah, me neither. You know? A couple weeks ago in the men's study, we talked about the simple act, well, maybe it's not so simple, of inviting someone to worship with you, right? And how you extend that invitation. It's kind of like that awkward thing. It's almost like asking somebody out on a date, right? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to say no, right? And I said to the guys, like, imagine how it is for me. I'm the pastor. Hey, you want to come out and listen to me talk for 25 minutes? No, thank you, right? Oh, that rejection. Oh. But look what Jesus says. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so many of us, we are fixated on trying to maintain the peace. I don't want to have an awkward conversation. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Let's just maintain a superficial peace. I don't want to have a real conversation with somebody because I don't know where that could go and that could lead to my rejection. Jesus says, no, 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 no. We're not in the business of preserving that fragile, superficial peace. I did not come to bring peace, Jesus says, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter, against her mother, a daughter-in-law, against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be members of his own household. And some of you are living this out. You know what it's like. Some of you experienced this this past Thursday, sitting around a Thanksgiving table, and you're a believer, and your uncle down at the other end of the table is not, and he has voiced his objection, and you know that there is an enemy at your own table. You're not on the same page, and it is awkward. And you also know what it's like to try to preserve the peace with friends and family who are not believers. And I don't want to bring up Jesus, because I know what happened last time. That's like one of my least favorite things about being a pastor. <laughs> is this, I have to sometimes. You see somebody straying. You see a sin issue, it has to be addressed. Let's bring it to the surface, right? And I could ignore it, and I could say, well, that's not God compelling me to have that conversation, and I'll just put it off. But it's like, no, we have to sometimes. We have to disturb the peace and simply obey. I had a mentor about 15 years ago taught me something, and I was actually, <clears throat> I remember this, I was in his office having a conversation because I felt compelled to do something uncomfortable and awkward, and he told me that our job as believers is to obey and trust God with the consequences. Have you heard that before? Just obey. Trust God with the consequences. Trust God with the results. Trust God, because you just obey. That's our job to obey, 
And if we believe God is compelling us or calling us to do something, we obey, and we can't control the outcome. But you know who can? God. So trust Him with the outcome. Trust God with the consequences. Trust God with the results. Our job is to obey. So let's get uncomfortable, friends. <laughs> let's disturb the peace. <clears throat> what is it in your life? God's been calling you to do something, been challenging you. He's put something on your heart. What is it that you've been putting off? God called you to do What is it? What is it? I mean, there's some people right now that are watching this online. They're listening to my words via the interwebs, right? And they felt compelled. I got to go out. I, gotta, I mean, I really feel like God is telling me I got to show up in person and experience this and get to meet other people. But they've been putting it off. And I say to you, well, stop putting it off. If God has laid it on your heart to connect with human beings in a real place and have real relationships, then just, just obey. And yeah, it might be awkward, and it might be uncomfortable, but just obey. What is it that God's put on your heart that you're not doing, that you haven't obeyed yet? Are you like me? Have you been putting off something for months and months and months and months and months? What is it that God's put on your heart? Somebody you're supposed to reach out to, somebody you're supposed to invite to worship with you. And you've been thinking about it for months, and yeah, I ought to reach out to this person, and yeah, I ought to do that because I know it's like one of those first steps in sharing the gospel and they can experience, yeah, but you know what? I just, I'm afraid of rejection. <sighs> well, so what? You might be rejected. In fact, Jesus says, yeah, you're going to be rejected. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the deal. Some people will reject you. If you invite them to worship, they might reject you. If you share the gospel, I mean, statistically, some are guaranteed to reject you. You can't go through life trying to avoid rejection. It is inevitable. So what is it? What has God put on your heart to do? What we see in the lives of the disciples, these were not perfect men. These were not perfect people. But they all had a willingness to follow, a humility about them, and they all demonstrate a willingness to obey. That's all we have to do as a church. Can you imagine the impact we would make if we just obeyed? Just act on that thing God has put on your heart. What if we just did that? Like today's the day, no more excuses, right? No more being fear, afraid of rejection, no more just being afraid of the uncomfortable. Let's just do what God has told us to do. And when they reject us, just remember, they rejected him first, right? It's our job. We can't control the results. It's our job just to obey. And when we obey, we can trust God with the results. Let's pray on that. Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that you would clarify to each one of us what it is you've called us to do. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the courage and the discipline to obey. Father God, this church belongs to you, and so as a collective, as a community, you have our ears, and we pray that you would allow us to be a church that is always obedient to your calling in our lives. Father, there are people that we know and love that don't yet know you, Jesus, as their Savior, and so you've placed us here in this world, in this specific time, in this specific geography for a reason. 
And so allow each one of us to fulfill our God-given purpose. Allow us to walk in obedience with you. Father, we thank you for this worship service that you have given us, this worship time. And now that this worship service is coming to its end, we pray that you would allow our worship of you to continue. Jesus, let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you with our obedience. Let us worship you with how we love and serve one another and how we love and serve you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.